0: Good afternoon, New York, and the rest of our listeners around the globe. My name is June Stoyer, and I'm the host of the Organic View Radio Show. Our podcast is available on iTunes, Zoom, and you can also visit our website at www.organicview.com. If you have any questions for our guests, there are many ways you can contact the show. You can post a question on our wall on Facebook, Skype us, send us a tweet on Twitter to at The Organic View, or you can contact me directly at June Stoyer. If you'd like to be on the show or would like to find out about sponsorship opportunities, please contact us at questions at theorganicview.com. On today's show, I have the pleasure of welcoming back the true authority on aspartame, as well as many other artificial sweeteners, the Honorable Marion Ash Stoddard. We're going to be talking about the sweet life, being high on aspartame. And what I mean by high is... Well, you'll hear in a minute. Good afternoon, Mary, and welcome back to the show.
1: Hi, June. Thank you. Nice to be here.
0: So great to have you, Mary. And your work with so many different groups of people is not only impressive, it's so incredibly important, especially when it comes to this particular group that we're going to talk about today, because it affects so many people, especially people that are dependent upon air travel. Could you just share with our audience a little bit about yourself before we get into your work?
1: Yes. About three decades ago, aspartame became prevalent in diet drinks. Unfortunately, about that same time, my husband was getting uh, more and more ill with a brain tumor, and he eventually succumbed to his brain cancer in January of 1985. And I had my first diet drink with aspartame in it two weeks prior to his death. And so when I started getting sicker, I I thought it was the grieving process. I joined Weight Watchers. I used all the diet things that they told me to use. I was thrilled that I could actually cook some pudding that was artificially sweetened. And I wasn't going to gain weight on it. It was no calories. And... all the the other sugar-free things I was really, really into and getting sicker and sicker all the time and not losing weight. So I did some investigating. I had a background in journalism. And as an investigative uh, reporter, I went after this story. And I discovered that the, the thing that tasted bad to me initially, the diet drinks with aspartame in it, was something that was not good for anybody not just me i wasn't the only one and so my doctor and i determined what was my problem and i was uh diagnosed with a very serious blood disorder with something akin to leukemia it was eosinophilia so once i discovered that i i thought well i need to call the fda which i did they told me it was safe and natural and wonderful and and not to worry about it. Well, that sent up red flags because I called to turn in an allergic reaction, an adverse reaction, and, and here they were trying to convince me that there was no reason for me to worry or even give them my information, but they begrudgingly took it anyway. So I did haunt the medical school libraries and ironically taught at that same medical school years later. I was asked to do a class on what I had learned and and share that with Southwestern Medical School doctors and students. So I became, I I guess, reluctantly advocate, uh, a reluctant advocate, And I went to the Senate hearings. I testified at the Senate uh, to Congress on this and told them about my story and that I had met other people. And when I found out it caused brain tumors in people, I really nearly went ballistic. So I wanted to help other people know that this caused brain tumors. And so that's how I got started, and here I am three decades later still talking about it. It's still on the market. Neotame is out there now, the the super-duper aspartame, and it's affecting children. It's affecting adults. It's affecting elderly, ill, well, diabetic, PKU. Everybody is being affected by this, and nobody is out there in the mainstream science and and medical profession, talking about it. So we're we're here talking about it, June.
0: Yes, we are. Now, Mary, it's very interesting that you were approached to work with airline pilots. When you think about aspartame and artificial sweeteners and this whole world that you're involved with, you wouldn't really think that An airline pilot would have any issues can you share with our audience what their problem is when it comes to consuming any type of product that is artificially sweetened with aspartame or any of these other products as well as what the dangers are
1: yes it was very interesting I met so many good people at the Senate hearings and they were there to testify like I was. It's sort of like that movie, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. You know, we all seemed to find each other and we couldn't stop talking about it once we did. One of those people was an F-16 pilot, a very handsome major, Michael Collins, and he took me off to the side and he said, can we just sit down over coffee and talk about why you're doing what you do? And uh, why I think we need you. And I said, sure. So we did. And he said, "Uh, why did you start this, first of all? And I said, to help people. And he said, well, would you be willing to help pilots? And I said, well, sure. How can I do that? He said, we need a hotline for reporting adverse reactions. He said, the FAA won't do it. And so he said, you need to do it. And I said, well, I'll think about it. I'll meet with the FAA, and and maybe we can talk them into it. So James Turner and I set up a meeting with the Federal Aviation Authority uh, chief deputy flight surgeon, and he met with us and was very nice and, and very amenable. He didn't disbelieve what we were telling him, that pilots were having seizures that they reported, on this to, to me, and one of them testified at the Senate hearing. And so we said, why don't you set up a hotline? He said, we can't do it because that's going against a fellow agency. The FDA continues to support it and say it's okay for pilots and, and anybody. And so in order for a hotline to be set up, it has to be separate from us. And he said, I'll be happy to tell my family about it. I'll tell anybody I know, but I just can't do it officially. Mm. So I went home, and I decided that's what I needed to do. So I set up a hotline number. Well, over 800 pilots, or I say pilot-related phone calls have come in, because often it's their spouse who calls and says, my husband won't call you, but I want to report that he blacked out in the cockpit uh, and and we think it might be the diet drinks or equal that he's putting in the coffee. And now it's the chewing gum that they're all chewing to equalize the pressure in their heads at altitude. And so I sat down and, and said, well, sure, I can do this. And we got a lot of publicity. I mean, the media just went nuts over this issue. Uh, I got one pilot with a brain tumor, and brain tumors were one of the four cancers that the lab animals had in the initial studies. So there was a pilot who had brain tumor, and he went on CNN News after our brain tumor conference and was seen all over the world. He said buddies from Japan called and said, hey, Mark, we caught you on CNN. So there were other, other news channels, Fox has done stories about it, hard copy, 60 Minutes has done a number of stories that I've helped produce. And so a lot of uh, media interest in the flying aspect because it's, it's kind of glamorous, you know, pilots.
0: Um, it's a shame that the government doesn't take the same amount of interest. It's
1: it's extremely shameful and it's harmful, and there was one phone call I got, June, that the person on the other end of the line said, I want to report a seizure in the cockpit in flight, and he gave me his address, his phone number, the name of his airline, and uh, he didn't give me the name of the captain that had the seizure, but he verified in so many different ways, and I, I said, "Well, he needs to know about our work, and he needs to have the information, the fact sheet, and and all of that, so that he will probably not have any more if he stays away from it." So he said, "Okay, yeah, you send that to me, and I'll I'll get it to him. Make sure he gets it." Well, I hung up, and a few days later, another guy calls me, and he says. I happened to be on the flight crew on a transoceanic flight uh, a few days ago, and he said the captain had a grand mal seizure in the cockpit.
0: And I oh, wow. said,
1: really? And he said, yeah, I don't want to get him in trouble. I said, well, why didn't you report it? He said, well, it corrected itself in a matter of minutes. And so we all got together and decided This guy will lose his medical certification to fly, as many pilots have already done. And so we were just going to tell him not to use that anymore, and he'd be okay. Well, that was verification. We've had so many pilots who've had vertigo. They don't all have seizure activity. But the F-16 pilot at the Senate hearing did, Michael Collins, had a grandma seizure on the flight line in front of his commanding officer, and, of course, he was flying a desk after that. They, they immediately uh, ripped off his uh, medical certi- certification to fly. And we have got medical examiners, FAA medical examiners. Uh, one of them is in Brownwood, Texas. And he has several pilots in his practice that had reactions from aspartame and he talks about it with them and to them and he said the FDA is not going to do anything we have to be our own FDA he said the FDA has its foot caught in a bucket and it can't get it out and so we have to do it ourselves and I continue to get calls about pilots wanting to know more, and and flight crews, you know, it's the flight attendants too. They're all chewing the gum and and putting equal in their coffee and have to maintain uh, a certain weight if they fly. So it's a huge hidden issue with uh, aviation. Flying and and aspartame just don't go together at all.
0: I'm just curious, is it the combination of the altitude plus the chemical, yes. is this, has this been discovered in other high-pressure uh, high positions where there's a great deal of responsibility, such as, for example, a train conductor, where you have to be alert, you have to be punctual, you have to really be on the ball to operate that train? Have you had any situations with conductors? or any other profession for that matter.
1: I've had a lot of truckers talk about it because they stay up all night and they, they drink a lot of coffee and cold diet drinks and stuff to uh, keep them awake. And so I do have calls from, from that profession, but also you brought up the fact, is it unique unto pilots and, and it sort of is because Aspartame is 10% methanol, 10% wood alcohol by weight. So for every molecule of aspartame, there's a molecule of uh, wood alcohol produced. And so if there are 200 milligrams of aspartame in a diet, a can of diet soda, there are 20 milligrams of methanol, wood alcohol. So wood alcohol bonds with the, uh, with the oxygen molecules at altitude and causes hypoxia. It can cause the bends, as, as divers refer to it. Hmm. So it, it does affect pilots differently than it might other professionals, uh, ship captains, for example, or as you mentioned, uh, people operating heavy equipment and, and trains and things. But it can affect anybody. It can affect drivers. There are a lot of people in our files who've had seizures it, it, behind the wheel of their automobiles. And and one mother called me, and, and it was so sad. She said, I had my children in the back seat of my vehicle when I had my seizure. And she was a doctor's wife in Chicago and ran off the road. Luckily, nobody was injured but she said, I need to know what's going on here. So it's, it's transportation of any mode, I, I guess you'd say. But pilots seem to lose their jobs if, if they have vertigo oh, or,
0: seizures, sure, yeah.
1: or migraines even. You know, they, they can't work uh, under those conditions and circumstances. One cup of hot chocolate almost caused a pilot in California, general aviation pilot, to crash his plane because he got confused and he was reading the instrument uh, panel uh, upside down and he couldn't keep, uh, keep the plane in the air and luckily he snapped out of it. Uh, there was a pilot in Alaska who was on the 60-minute show that I helped produce for Australia and he had a grand mal seizure in the cockpit in flight on a, a charter flight and one of his passengers took over the controls. Luckily, he was uh, tuned in to a Navy mm, frequency, and so uh, a naval pilot guided them, guided the passenger and told him how to operate the controls until Harold Wilson gained consciousness again but he lost his medical certification to fly. And these, these guys, I mean, when you're a pilot and flying is your life, you might as well just cut off an arm or a leg or something. Uh, they'd rather have that done than, than not. That's their profession, yeah. Yeah. And the wives will call me and say, Mary, their their personalities have changed. And this has happened with policeman too. Uh, There was a a guy in Chicago who was a a real wonderful policeman and all of a sudden his personality changed and he was feeling rages and out of control and he was going to a psychiatrist and couldn't figure out, well, when he stopped chewing the gum and and using the diet drinks, it went away. But pilots need all of their faculties about them. Uh, The first female jet pilot In the Air Force, her father called in when I was on a show in New York uh, on WOR with the diet guru, Dr. Robert Atkins. And he said, you know, my daughter was the first female jet pilot in the Air Force, and she was having a reaction. She was having heart palpitations and uh, arrhythmias and tachycardias. And her doctor told her to get off the diet drinks, and she did, and that all went away. But Scott & White Hospital uh, here in Texas addresses this issue with some of theirs, and it, it's it's just a very sad issue that we have to keep addressing, uh, even after all these years, you know, so, people get out so, there. Yeah.
0: In regards to the effect body, How long does it take for the chemical to flush out of the system, and does it ever flush out entirely?
1: Yeah, uh, basically, most of the breakdown products do leave the body, but what happens is like a pinprick to the brain in the same spot every day if you're drinking diet drinks or if you put equal in your coffee every morning or whatever, then that molecule goes across the blood-brain barrier and to the brain and takes a little piece of the brain with it. You know, it, it damages the cells. It, it causes brain tumors. And so it's the effects of the aspartame that are left behind for the most part. Methanol leaves the body, but it, it also breaks down into formaldehyde and formic acid, And uh, there's a DKP moody called diketopipirazine, which is the brain tumor agent. But those things mostly leave the body, but the effects are still there. If the brain is damaged, it doesn't always repair itself. Um, In the case, especially recently, of people with Parkinson's, Michael J. Fox was a spokesperson for Diet Pepsi, and that's when he started getting ill and continues to use it, I'm sure, and he's still uh, ill, but maybe not as bad as he might have been if, uh, if he had kept using a lot of it. But people like Linda Ronstadt, newly diagnosed with Parkinson's, that I'd say it's no longer a question of, of are they using anything with the diet sweetener and getting those diagnoses. Is how much are they using every day. One, uh, one pilot said to me, Mary, I hate hearing people say everything in moderation. He said, you can't take aspartame in moderation. It's like saying, how many, how many rattlesnakes do you want to bite you in the course of a year? You know, it's, it's insane to say you want toxic, neurotoxic things in your diet in moderation. That's just not acceptable for pilots or anybody. Well,
0: unfortunately, society has become so numb to all these issues, and it's become accepted because that's what the market has pushed on people. It's just like with smoking with women. Pregnant women used to smoke. The doctors used to encourage it. So, you know, obviously the issue with aspartame, with pilots, and all people who operate any type of equipment that needs, know, all of their everything you know needs to be working in order no uh y- you don't have that room to make any type of error whatsoever mm-hmm. um people need to understand that this is a huge Problem and can not only cost them their job but their life. Yes. Now, having said that, Mary, what do you recommend to the folks that are listening to the show? What should they do? And also, do you have any information that you'd like to share with them?
1: Well, we are here. I mean, our organization has been in place for the last three decades, helping people understand this issue and understand that it parallels the tobacco issue. Almost exactly. And so we will send you via email. We don't any longer send out packets in the mail, which we did for years at our own expense. But we'll send you email uh, packages of information if you want it. Now, we're not here to convince anybody who wants to argue with us that it's safe. Uh, we're here to help the people who want help and want to know more about it and why they shouldn't give it to their children. So that's, that's what we want. We want you to let us know through our website, through AspartameSafety.com or my particular blog is Stoddard'sPOV.com. pardon me, Stoddard's POV at blogspot on the internet and you can Google my name, Mary Nash Stoddard and you'll find me. And I do want to work with you. I can't take phone calls uh, from everybody who wants to talk to me all the time, but I certainly do take email requests and I love working with people and especially questions from pilots because that to me is, is very important.
0: Thank you, Mary. And, Mary, it has been a pleasure having you back on the show and sharing such an important message. I look forward to having you back on very soon. Thank you. And, folks, thank you for tuning in. This has been June Stoyer with the Organic View Radio Show. Have a great afternoon, everyone.